0: What if everything you thought you knew about the criminal justice system and high profile criminal cases wasn't true? What if the mainstream media was too corrupt and compromised to tell you about it? Join a veteran Buffalo City detective, a veteran Canadian Pacific police captain and a veteran NCIS special agent as they dissect the criminal justice system and high profile criminal cases from their perspective in an unvarnished podcast. Welcome to Search Warn. This is John Snedden, a veteran NCIS Special Agent, along with Anna Midlars, veteran Buffalo City detective, and Tom Purcell, veteran Canadian Pacific Police Captain. We all find ourselves in a unique position due to the virus. And as such, it's a team effort. We are hoping everyone is hanging tough and doing their part. Today, we have a special guest, Ralph Cipriano, a former staff writer for the LA Times and Philadelphia Inquirer, currently writing for Newsweek, Philadelphia Magazine, Big Trial Blog, and Law Enforcement Today. If you really wanna keep on top of the truth of what is happening in Philadelphia, commonly refer- now referred to as Portland East, go to Big Trial Net. And Google Big Trial Philadelphia and law enforcement today searching for Ralph Cipriano. Ralph has recently come out with a flurry of eye-opening articles and we would love to explore these today. Uh, Welcome to search warrant Ralph.
1: Thanks John, thanks Tom and Anna. Pleasure to be here. Hi Anna.
0: It's uh, it's hard to uh, describe what's going on in Philadelphia right now. I've We've had occasion to uh, go through the articles that uh, you've put out in the past couple, I guess, two weeks, and it's just uh, uh, just shocking. Um, the first one that we'd like to talk to you about is the, uh, you know, the police department's response to uh, now Sergeant uh, O'Connor's uh, murder um, and how uh, the. Uh, Defense attorney masquerading as district attorney Larry Krasner uh, really hosed that up. Um, what? Can you give us a uh, a brief summary of your article about uh, what the police did at the hotel at the uh, hospital?
1: Sure. Um, for reasons known only to himself, uh, Larry Krasner, our uh, you know progressive district attorney. Decided to show up at at the at the hospital, where uh, you know a, a hero cop lay dying, and his family was was probably dead by the time Larry got there. And the uh, the DA tried to get in, go in the front door, and you know, of course, as you guys know, whenever there's a police shooting, cops come from everywhere, and they were all out in front of the uh, hospital. And I've never seen anything like it. It was broadcast on TV. The, the cops linked arms, and they made a human wall, and they weren't letting uh, District Attorney Krasner into the uh, hospital. And uh, John McNesby, who's the head of the FOP, he told Krasner he wasn't welcome. Krasner had a little security detail with him, and he slipped around into the back, and he tried to sneak into a back entrance. And uh, they, they wouldn't let him in that way either. And so then he uh, asked for some sort of a uh, confab with the uh, police commissioner who was on the site and he tried to uh, get her to let him in, but uh, he didn't get anywhere either. So, um, you know, it was just, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, Reporters who covered it said they, you know, it's just never happened. Uh, I don't know if it's ever happened anywhere, but, uh, and then I, I know personally, Cops who were friends of the uh, uh, murdered officer sent messages directly to Krasner uh, through his security detail, telling him to stay away from the officer's house as well. He wasn't welcome.
0: Jeez, I can just imagine what would happen if he would have gotten in there in some fashion. Unbelievable.
1: Well, I had several retired uh, officers call me up and offer to deck him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, geez.
2: You know, I find it incredible that that even though he was turned away from the front entry, he tried sneaking back, you know? Well, sneaking that's our back. progressive
1: district attorney, Krasner. Very, Very respectful. Disrespectful, you know, to the officers. Extremely. And, yeah. and you know, we just had um, a couple months ago, we had, a, a you know, it could have been a quite a tragedy, but six officers were shot. Similar situation where they're trying to serve a warrant. And uh, luckily for us, none of them were seriously wounded, but Krasner went to two different hospitals and tried to get in both places. And the same thing happened where, I mean, officers at at the hospital told him he wasn't welcome. Uh, McNesby told him that personally, the FOP president, and he still went to both hospitals. And he even got into one couple cops roomed who were wounded, and they told him, when he finally got in there, hey, I don't want to talk to you, and so he was sent away. But you know, I guess the guy loves the TV cameras because I, I don't know a cop who wanted him there. So, the so the officers against Krasner. This
2: is not a recent development. This has been going on for a while.
1: Oh yeah, well, you know, when you legalize prostitution and legalize, you know, drug possession and drug use. And retail theft under 500 bucks. I, I mean, and, you're, and every month, you're um, you know letting a couple hundred uh, criminal uh, criminals out of jail. I mean, it, you know, it, it doesn't take long for law enforcement to turn on you. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's also vehicle vehicle thefts too, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's it's hard to keep. Tra- you know, it's a shorter list on what's still illegal in Philadelphia, as many cops have said. And the U.S. attorney summed it up this week in a, in a statement he sent out where he, he basically said that Larry Krasner was a virus who had infected the, the district attorney's office in criminal justice in Philadelphia. Probably an apt description.
0: Absolutely. It's, it sounds to, uh, to me like, uh, you know, a conspiracy of obstruction of justice by rerouting the criminal justice system and manipulating it. The well,
1: way yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, the last story I did uh, um, on Wednesday, uh, Krasner, there was a citizen who got angry when he kept hearing about all the cases that Krasner's um, district attorneys were declining to prosecute. So he filed a uh, freedom of information request with uh, the district attorney's office trying to get a list of all the cases this guy has turned down for prosecution.
0: Oh my God.
1: And uh, Krasner's first response was that the records didn't exist. And the um, open records uh, department of uh, the Philadelphia uh, City Hall overruled him. It, I mean, everybody knows that these records still exist. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he went into court and claimed that they were privileged and he didn't have to give it up. So now this private citizen is suing Krasner to get his hands on the records. But uh, I happened to uh, get a peek at uh, the list from Krasner's first year in office, 2018, and he is declining to prosecute more than 200 cases a month, and it worked out to 2,562 for the first year in 2018. We're talking about uh, aggravated assaults, prostitutions, bringing weapons to school, robbery, rape, uh, strangulation. Um, and then along with that list, uh, I got a second list uh, of charges he's downgraded. And he's downgrading charges in about 100 cases a month and uh, a total of 1,159 for 2018. So that's, uh, that's what he's doing to the criminal justice system. And if you ask me, you know, his charging unit, which there's there's the so-called charge unit, the uh, group of, I think there's two or three of them, uh, assistant district attorneys who decide when the cops show up wanting an arrest warrant, which cases get prosecuted. I mean, to me, that's a conspiracy of justice, you know, to obstruct justice. Yeah. You're, you're turning down cases to that volume, you know, 200 a month. Are you kidding me? I, I was told there used to be like two or, you know, a dozen declinations a year. Before,
0: uh, yeah, Gardner
1: I... and Rufus uh, Seth Williams showed up in town. Our last illustrious DA, who's now in prison, serving five years for corruption. So, My great God. standard we've got here.
0: So, uh, can you give us any kind of, uh, you know, background on uh, what's the guy's name?s uh, Bilal uh, Mitchell and uh, Hassan Elliott.
1: Uh, the, yeah, this is just horrible. The, this part of the story is really terrible. Um, okay. Um, yeah, the, 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 the guy that the now Sergeant O'Connor, Corporal O'Connor, the day he was murdered, he, the day he was murdered, he led a SWAT team to uh, the Frankfurt section of the city, and he was serving a warrant on a guy who was uh, wanted for murder. And that was 21-year-old Hassan Elliott. And uh, it's alleged that uh, Elliott's the guy who fired the shots through the door with the automatic uh, weapon. And one of those shots killed um, uh, Corporal O'Connor. Well, um, Mr. Elliott, uh, this is just so depressing. I mean, uh, this is going to make all of you sick. Elliott um, had... uh, Three times they brought him in for violating parole, and three times uh, the DA's office let him walk out the door. Um, he, in uh, January of 2018, he was nailed for carrying farms, uh, firearms without a license. He pleaded guilty to it. He got nine to 23 months in prison and three years probation. But they let him walk out of court that day because they, bas- they gave him time served, which amounted to like seven months. So what happens next? The following January, let me get this. I want to make sure I got this. right. He was arrested again. And this time it's for a direct violation of his parole. uh, uh, Arrest on a charge of uh, possession of a controlled substance. And the DA's office for the fourth time doesn't do anything. I mean, they could have taken him into custody that day. And, uh, you know, put him away and Officer uh, Corporal O'Connor would still be with us. Right. Um, but uh, they didn't. And then in March, when the case rolls around, this guy gets arrested on January 29, 2019, for what's a, you know, a possession of a controlled substance, which is a direct violation of his probation. When his case comes to court. Oh, and uh, first of all, on March 26, uh, 2019. They issue a, a warrant for um, Elliot's arrest, and this time he's wanted on a murder charge. The very next day, the drug charge comes up for court. Now he doesn't show up, but the DA's office not only drops the drug charge against him, but they place it under uh, a limited access case designation, meaning the press and the public uh, aren't allowed to see it. Not e- I'm told even the feds can't see. A limited access case; only the DA's office can see it. So uh, you know, not, not to, about that.
0: Not, not to digress, but uh, can the judge see that?
1: Only if the DA uh, gives him permission or uh, allows them to see it. Yeah. Oh, and well. and then so uh, the the second guy who's in the a uh, uh, second guy who's in the uh, holdup with the suspect uh, Hassan Elliott is a guy named Bilal Mitchell. And he's a 19-year-old drug dealer. And this will really frost any law enforcement person out there. The month before Corporal uh, O'Connor shows up with the warrant and the SWAT team and is murdered, twice in February, the month before the officer is murdered, um, uh, Mitchell is arrested on... um, two different drug charges and one of the times he's carrying a weapon and this is a guy who when he got arrested in february he had three open juvenile cases and one previous arrest as an adult he was actually on a gps monitor at the time so <laughs> oh, man. What, what do they do they set bail so low that the first time he puts down 2,500 bucks to get out of jail. And the second time in February, again, both these incidents happen in the same month, uh, two weeks apart. He he puts down $2,000 and he walks out of jail again. And the next time the police run into him, of course, is when he's uh, holed up, you know, with uh, the other guy and they end up killing the cop. I mean, it's just insane what's going on here.
0: Unbelievable. I mean, whatever happened to uh, Three Strikes, you're out. You know, <laughs> that's
1: I, I know. It, it's, it's very sad. It, it it's, it's never uh, should
2: have happened. Never no, happen. no. No, it never should have happened.
1: No, it shouldn't. And I got to say that um, you know, obviously the murder of a cop is a very serious thing, but it, it seems to have like awakened everybody. I mean, not only the cops, but the rest of us uh, that, you know, we've got a serious situation going on with this guy. And, and something has to be done about it.
0: Has um, now Jane Rowe, he's she's his uh, spokesperson. Is that right?
1: <laughs> well, she's what? this alleged spokesperson since she hasn't spoken to me since oh, last God. August when I made her look silly when she didn't know her facts in a story I was writing. And she's been boycotting me ever since. So she never answers a question I send to her, and either, neither does Krasner.
0: Has she had any explanation for uh, how Krasner's yeah. uh, culpable? Uh,
1: I mean- yeah, she, she did. And uh, the, the U.S. attorney says it's all lies. She basically was saying that the, uh, the you know, Hassan Elliott, uh, the, the last arrest uh, for drugs it would have no impact on public safety. And that's why they dropped the charges and let them go. And, and the district, the U.S. attorney just blasted her and, and said that Krasner's, um, it was directly responsible, uh, his turnstile uh, style of justice is directly responsible for, for uh, the death of uh, Corporal O'Connor. And then she tried to say that the drug arrest of Elliot was tainted because one of the officers had some sort of a credibility problem and, and uh, McSwain, who was the U.S. attorney, set, put out a second statement blasting uh, the Krasner and, and you know, the department saying uh, you know this was a, a, a situation where a bunch of cops chased down this guy and, and, and he had all kinds of uh, packets of cocaine in his pockets. And he said basically the other officers didn't have any credibility problems and you could have easily gone through with prosecuting this. So it's just um, and, and Krasner, uh, uh, it's so bad with this Jane Rowe that even though the day the officer was murdered and the cop locked arms and kept him out of the, the district attorney out of the hospital, this was broadcast live on Fox 29. Um, Jane Rowe uh, actually talked the Philadelphia Inquirer into printing comments of hers where she basically alleged that it didn't happen, A, it didn't happen, and B, that uh, the FOP and its leader, McNesby, were being quote-unquote ghoulish by using uh, the, uh, the death of a cop to as a political uh, tool to tar and feather uh, D.A. Krasner and you know, it's all—it's all lies. Yeah. It's yeah. Hard to, it's hard to believe, but it's—it's it's all lies that it actually happened this way.
3: What? Hey, what? Uh, um, I got a quick question here. What, first of all, when is Krasner for re-election?
1: Oh, next year, sadly. Yeah, we, we have to wait okay. till next year. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Does does it seem like it's going to be the same charade as the last election, you know, with uh, people like Soros involved?
1: Um, I'm sure that uh, Soros, uh, really, there's nothing to prevent him from dropping more millions on Larry Krasner so he can win another election. But I, I really... The party, the you know, Philadelphia of course is your classic one-party town, and the Democrats have run the city since uh, the 1950s, early 1950s. So, um, you know, the 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 regular elections are meaningless, uh, like they're like the ones that Vladimir uh, Putin holds in uh, Russia. Uh, only the primary, the Democratic primary matters. And last year we had like six candidates splitting the vote, and this time around, next time around, you know, I don't, I, I think the part the Democratic Party is going to have a hard time backing Larry Krasner when you've got a murdered cop on your hands and all the other outrages that he's perpetrated. So uh, the hope is that we, you know, everybody gets behind one unity candidate and uh, we get rid of Krasner that way. But I got to tell you, I don't know if the city will make it that long. Uh, we, we've got the coronavirus on us and Larry Larry Krasner is using that as another opportunity to empty the jail. Yeah, exactly.
0: Bills. I wanted to ask you, you know, in regard to uh, Commissioner uh, Outlaw.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. What what can you tell us about her announcement of the uh, allegedly? Uh, am I if I understand this correctly, the downgrading of. Um, And some people are referring to it as a, uh, just a different way of arresting people, which is not accurate. But I mean, the the way that they're uh, allegedly changing their arresting procedures. um, What can you tell us about, about what Outlaw said about that? Was, Was she forced into making a statement because that information was released?
1: Well, I've never spoken to the police commissioner, um, I, I've, so uh, I can't say for certain about anything. I've heard conflicting theories that the, uh, you know, the mayor was behind it or the DA was pushing or, or whatever. But, you know, I, I have no facts or no proof or anything like that. Just all we have to go on right now is what the uh, police commissioner put out. And amazingly, the FOP backed her saying, you know, look, she's doing this to protect us. But I mean, the new rules are pretty crazy. I mean, they're, they're not going to be making arrests for uh, during the coronavirus uh, crisis for uh, all narcotic offenses, theft from persons, retail theft, theft from auto, burglary, vandalism. They're not going to be arresting people for bench warrants, stolen autos, uh, and uh, economic crimes such as passing bad checks. For fraud, and of course, prostitution. And so the deal is that when cops encounter people on the street who would ordinarily be arrested for offenses, they're telling uh, the cops to, A, temporarily detain the offender so that they can confirm the identity of the person, prepare all relevant paperwork, and then release offender. I mean, that's what she said, quote unquote, release offender. And send an arrest affidavit to the district attorney's charging unit. And I wrote where when I wrote about this, I wrote where arrest warrants go to die. And if the charges are approved, then you know, sometime at a later date, you know, this person is going to have to face the consequences of what they did. But I I gotta tell you, as anybody who's been watching what's going on in Philadelphia, the DA, the minute the coronavirus started he immediately said let's uh, basically empty the jails so you know none of our inmates get sick and you know cops are telling me that they're quite worried that you know when all of these arrest warrant requests go in that krasner's office instead of doing 200 uh declinations a month you know the document they issue when they say no we're not gonna we're gonna decline to prosecute this case you know it might be thousands i mean it's just um or just a re- complete recipe for disaster. And I, I asked the cop that I knew, I said, okay, so Ralph Cipriano's walking down Broad Street and you see 50 bags of heroin hanging out of his pockets. What do you do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here's what he told me, you, you know, just, I wanted to make this practical. he said, uh, all right, let me, let me get this. He said, um, okay. Uh, okay, he said. According to the new regulations, uh, he would ha- he would be required, presumably at a socially safe distance of six feet, to stop me, <laughs> take down my name, confiscate my drugs, and then send me on my way with a courteous "Have a nice day."
0: <laughs> oh my God! Wait, you know it, he's turned that situation into what we have in New York because. You know, they're oh. you're going to get what well, basically you're going to get an appearance ticket and told to you know show up later, right? Yeah. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, and there's no one. These people are. Yeah,
2: I was going to say, I know Tom Purcell agrees with me. When word gets out in the street about these these policies, it's going to spread fast,
1: and oh, it's well, gonna, we, we've it's already had big. a rash of burglaries. So. Um, And, you know, some women were held hostages. There were like eight burglaries in one neighborhood in one night uh, within a day or two right after this change.
0: i got to tell you, since they had this lockdown, I have done stuff, um, investigative stuff in in uh, Albany, Syracuse, Buffalo and Rochester and although people are in their houses i can tell you the the drug uh the drug traffic is like it's like grubhub or diner dash you know what i'm saying i mean these guys are busy they are very busy guys on bicycles guys uh in their cars i mean you know it's just it's the only ones out there i mean without uh with the exception of dog walkers and uh yeah. You know, some some walkers, but for the most part, it's, uh, it's a drug fest, uh, diner dash, grub hub kind of situation now.
1: Well, you have to look at drugs as an essential business, so it has to continue, right?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> On the street, they would say this is Christmas time. That's what they would say. <laughs> yeah. And oh, it's,
1: the situation is even worse here in Pennsylvania because they, as part of, uh, you know, the, the emergency measures, they've shut down all 600 state-owned liquor stores. So you, you talk about a, a crisis.
2: Ralph, can you tell us about um, Krasner um, dialing 911 because he was afraid and threatened? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, God, yeah. Uh, I guess the day after, the you know, we had a police officer murdered in Philadelphia. Um, Krasner uh, picked up the phone around 1 o'clock. Um, it was the same weekend. I think it was on Sunday. The the cop the Corporal O'Connor was murdered on Friday morning. Uh, Sunday at 1 o'clock, Larry Krasner um, dials 911, and he tells the cops that he um, He's worried for his safety because his address has been posted online and um, it, there's been many critical comments written about his perf- performance as DA. and he basically accused the cops of being behind some of the postings. So um, you know the cops dutifully took a crime <laughs> report from him, but <laughs> I, I can't stop laughing about that. and it's just unbelievable such a we, weird
0: we, we got a response to uh we put that out on twitter and we got a response from the uh the cops in the uk Oh
1: that,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah they said that uh in their vernacular the uh you know hearty feelings yeah. you know <laughs> he's got some hearty feelings and they're uh you know in in their circumstance they'd like to go back uh you know, ten or twenty years to policing as it was for them, when uh, you know they had occasion to to cause hurty feelings, and and uh, you know they did they didn't put up with anything, so obviously they have the same kind of circumstance, generally speaking, over there. I know that uh, there is a uh, non-complimentary T-shirt uh, <laughs> being being. <laughs> You talk it.
1: about reviving the economy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, it has a. Uh, um, it, it 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 has the uh, Philadelphia Police uh, seal in it for one of the uh, one of the uh,
1: four letters above grass and,
0: yeah, and above Krasner.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it starts with F. It ends with K. Yes, so, exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I heard uh, that those uh, T-shirts sold out already. Twice. Oh God, yes. I know. Yeah. I haven't got mine yet. It's, uh, <laughs> they are going to be a popular item. But uh, the the other wind up to Krasner calling in nine one one to uh, whine and snivel was uh, uh, at uh, all of the uh, roll calls the next morning. This announcement was read to every cop in the city. Uh, Commanders, please ensure that everyone under your command adheres to our social media policy. Since the murder of Corporal O'Connor, anti-Krasner postings have increased on social media. At this time, it is unknown if any of the postings were posted by police officers. Please ensure that our social media policy is read at all roll roll calls for the next three days. And it was signed by a guy who's chief inspector in the patrol bureau. So... You know that's the city's response. Um, we've got to you know protect the feelings of our DA. I
2: understand too that there was a um, uh, petition for him
1: to impeach him. Going
2: oh, around. Yeah. yeah. How's that? Did you hear about that's,
1: that? Yeah, I have. Tens of thousands of people have signed that. I haven't seen a, a number yet uh, recently, but it, it again, it's really popular. I just don't know if there's any legal way in Pennsylvania, to uh, impeach a, you know, a a sitting official, elected official, because way back in the Rizzo years, there were efforts to recall Frank Rizzo, and then he got some legislation passed that basically put the recall stuff, you know, uh, recall option out of business. So I, I don't, and I've talked to other people about this in law enforcement, I don't think there's any possible way that I'm aware of to remove an elected official unless he's sitting in a jail cell. I mean, to prove it, our last attorney, is Seth Williams, remember that? He was indicted by the feds for corruption, and he was still working yeah. in his office. Oh.
3: But I was just going to say, one way to uh, get rid of him is to indict him, just like they did with Seth Williams.
1: Yeah, You and don't then, have
3: to worry about impeachment.
1: Well, uh, you know, look, I, under- I mean, there everyone, there's a rumor every week, but uh, certainly the feds have to have been looking at Krasner for quite a long time. And uh, the state Supreme Court just appointed a judge to do an investigation of Krasner's handling of the appeal in the Danny Faulkner case. Danny Faulkner is the uh, police officer who was murdered way back in 1980 by uh, Mamia Abu-Jamal, the most... You know, the biggest celebrity cop killer in the country, Uh, you know, all the idiot actors from Hollywood hopped on his bandwagon and said he was framed, even though the case, the evidence in the case is overwhelming. But um, um, Krasner tried to help this guy get out of jail by claiming, you know, when he showed us up at the DA's office, this is a great Larry Krasner and operations story. The guy shows up at the DA's office after he gets elected. He finds six boxes of evidence from the uh, Mamiya Abu-Jamal trial, and he immediately announces he's discovered, newly discovered evidence that he thinks should get uh, the cop killer a a new trial. And he does that, he makes that decision without talking to the prosecutor in the case or any of the cops that worked the case. And, you know, so... um, the, so, poor the widow of Danny Faulkner, Maureen Faulkner, who is quite a profile in courage, she's been fighting this battle for 40 years. She had to go hire a lawyer and uh, George Brichetto, and he started, he's the former state boxing commissioner in Pennsylvania, and he dug into this. And he, he found out that, you know, well, he, first of all, he called the prosecutor from the case and the prosecutor says, there's nothing new in that box, you know, That, that and then he called the cop who carried the boxes into uh, the DA's office and, and and the cop said the same thing. There's nothing new in those boxes. We put them in the DA's office. I carried them in box by box for safe storage because we, you know, we knew there were going to be plenty of appeals in the case. So Krasner goes off completely half-cocked without talking to anybody, claiming he has new evidence that would free a celebrity cop killer, and he turns out to be a thousand percent wrong. And that's the kind of guy he is. In,
0: in regard to the, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, dope cases before, but I know you came out with an article um, earlier before a lot of this shit hit the fan in regard to... Uh, the mayor and the police pleaded for help. Um, Opioid crisis. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: That's yet another depressing story. It's really uh, yeah, hard to believe this one. Uh, Yeah, all of the um, opioid crisis in Philadelphia has centered around a section of town uh, known as Kensington. And um, way back on October 17, 2018, our progressive mayor, Jim Kenney, gathered 20 top police officials. You had the police commissioner there, deputy police commissioners, uh, managing directors, and they sit down with six top officials from the district attorney's office. And the whole point of the discussion is the cops and the mayor are pleading with Krasner and saying, look, you can't, the strategy of not arresting people for prostitution and for drug possession isn't working. It's only making the opioid crisis worse. Yes. We've got human trafficking going on down there. Can you please start arresting people for these crimes? That way we can get them into the system and we can, you know, start to get a handle because, I mean, hundreds of people are dying there. And you know, uh, there's all sorts of crime. The residents are up in arms. Uh, we got human trafficking going on. It, it's, ju- you know, open prostitution, open drug sales usage. And what does Krasner do? This, this amazed me, by the way. Uh, and I got this account from uh, an official who was uh, in the room. Krasner gets up and he gives this crazy speech, which my uh, witness described as a lecture. And what he says is this. The federal government is responsible for bringing drugs into this country. war on drugs is a colossal failure. And the bottom line is, since the DA didn't make this problem, he's not going to lift a finger to help anybody. He's not going to. He doesn't want any. They had a task force up for uh, the opioid uh, crisis, and he said he doesn't want any part of the task force. And furthermore, he's not going to lift a finger and not use one dollar of the resources in his office to help anybody during the crisis. And um, the guy who was there, he said to me, I was stunned. He basically disrespected the mayor and every other person in the room. And then he says, the capper is, he says, hey, we're done here. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's what happened. So he uh, yeah. He's totally,
0: totally disregarding the uh, how the the impact that has on all the citizens of Philadelphia. In other words,
1: yeah, that's exactly what happened. But he, you know, that's that's Larry Krasner. He, he's, uh, you know, I'm, somebody should do a uh, go into Photoshop and get him a Che Guevara type beret, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. Get, yeah. <laughs> get him the uh, Castro uh, leisure suit or whatever the hell that crashed uh, what was it Castro's fatigue? Somebody ought to do him up as that
0: because like a third world country yeah. general or something
1: yeah, because he he really thinks he's a revolutionary, he's leading a revolution and, and I got to tell you i I will not be surprised, and neither will a lot of cops in this town that you know Philadelphia may soon have the distinction of having two consecutive district attorneys uh you know sharing adjoining jail cells at some federal prison.
0: I mean, this yes. is gone
1: bad. I, know, it, it, I, the, did,
3: I was, you know. I did look up Malfeasans, and um, there's Larry Kanchner's picture. I couldn't believe it. I was so impressed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did he have the beret on, Tom? <laughs> yes, he did. Uh,
0: Ro- Ralph, took- I know that, that Anna has uh, had occasion to... Uh, briefly briefly talk to uh, detective Jacobs oh, but I, I wanted, could, could you could you uh, give us just a an idea of what's happening with that case
1: yeah uh, hang on uh, it, it, that is um, that is quite a mess so De- Derek Jacobs is a detective he is um, as a matter of fact he's been a guest on your podcast so maybe a lot of uh, listeners will remember him but he's the guy who investigated a police officer involved shooting. And sadly, it involved a uh, white officer shooting a black um, guy who was riding a dirt bike and weaving in on traffic. He turned out to be armed and he he ran away from the officer and he was packing a gun and the officer said he was defending uh, not only himself, but uh, he had been transporting uh, witnesses and there were children involved. So the officer uh, ends up shooting the suspect. We've got a white uh, cop shooting a black suspect, uh, killing him. Officer Jacobs, who investigated the shooting, is, is black. And he basically um, said, hey, you know, if it's a bad shooting, you, you can't fix anything. But this guy did it by the book. And he, he basically said he did what he was supposed to do. He was protecting himself and the witnesses, including children that he was transporting. Well, D.A. Krasner, uh, it it didn't matter to the D.A. that uh, this officer had been exonerated by the attorney general. He turns around and indicts the officer for murder. And uh, he tries to get Detective Jacobs to play along, and they bring him into a grand jury. And and as soon as it becomes clear that the detective isn't going to play along, then they uh, convene the grand jury and they indict Uh, Officer Jacobs, and they uh, charge him with uh, leaking grand jury secrets, which is pretty impossible because as soon as they found out what Officer Jacobs' position on the case was and the fact that he wasn't going to change his uh, findings, they threw him out of the grand jury, and he didn't even, uh, you know, appear before them, and he knew nothing about what they were doing or whatever, so he has this case going in U.S. District Court, and This really tells you about what kind of a guy this Detective Jacobs is. He couldn't get a lawyer to handle his case because it was too much of a hot potato. So he ended up representing himself. And it's a whistleblower lawsuit. It's being played out in U.S. District Court. And he basically is charged Larry Krasner and his assistant D.A., Tracy Tripp, with conspiring to maliciously prosecute him because he wouldn't change his story about the officer-involved shooting. I mean, and that's um, – and now the uh, department has uh, filed charges against them, and they may fire him. I mean, he's going to be disciplined, but the suspicion is that they're going to fire him. And, and he, he basically says, for what? I was a whistleblower speaking right. out to yeah. both the, the, my commanders in the department and anybody else who would listen about corruption in the district attorney's office. And what do they do? Of course, they shoot the messenger. So, yeah, that's that's the battle Detective Jacobs is fighting in U.S. It, district Court.
0: But uh, since his, the circumstances where their, you know, the district attorney's office is uh, trying to protect their uh, corruption, even though it's, you know, out in the open, yeah. uh, now you've got now you've got a set of circumstances that have occurred subsequent to that, like you know Krasner being essentially being responsible for Sergeant O'Connor's death yes. and um his um blatant um lying in regard to uh documents yeah,
1: yeah. i
0: mean now what
1: I mean, That can only add
0: yeah. the credibility to detective Jacob's position,
1: yes. I agree. And the fact that when Krasner was confronted with, hey, you let these suspects that murdered the police officer out of jail, he, he lied about it and said, you know, it had no effect on public safety. And, You know, uh, the officers were corrupt, and that's why we couldn't bring the charges. I mean, he, he lied about it, and the U.S. attorney had to light him up uh, with two consecutive statements that said, you're a complete liar, and you've got the officer's blood on your hands.
0: Yeah, I mean, how often do you have a U.S. attorney, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. shout from the rooftops what's going on at the district attorney's office?
1: Yeah, I know I mean, it's really bad. He he said on the air he was interviewed. He said on the air he told the local talk show here that he, he's got his teeth sunk into the that the case of the uh, uh, Sergeant uh, O'Connor being murdered, and he just said I, he's just not going to let go, and he he talked about. You know, Krasner being a virus who's infected the office. And anybody who heard that interview uh, would be telling Larry, uh, you better watch your back, Larry, because the U.S. Attorney's coming after you.
0: I I think that the, uh, you know, it's a real, I would hope it would be a message to the uh, district attorney in uh, San Francisco and Denver and uh, Baltimore. You know, people aren't going to put up with this. I mean it's it's insane and it's putting a lot of you know law enforcement officers at uh great risk uh to say nothing of the uh citizenry of every one of those major uh metropolitan areas.
1: Yeah. Hey, uh, what, what what do we have 30 uh uh George Soros DAs across the country? I mean yeah. 30 prosecutors it's I we don't should compile a list of them, you know. Yeah. We should uh, do that. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's more of a public safety threat than the coronavirus, if you ask me. Yeah. Yes, I mean, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. The symptoms are murder, you know, and rape yeah. and um, robbery and whatever. Go ahead. Can we
0: um, can we at all touch on um, the Billy Doe, uh, Monsignor Lynn case? Because I know stuff is <laughs> happening there or was going to be happening uh,
1: yeah, it's, it's uh, I, I'm, anyhow, that's, that's another story. I've been following that case for 10 years. We, we had, and this was, at one time, it was international news. We had a former altar boy uh, who claimed that he had been repeatedly raped by two priests and his uh, homeroom teacher at a Catholic uh, school. And this whole case was sponsored by uh, our former corrupt district attorney, Rufus Seth Williams. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time on this case. And uh, the, the altar boy is a complete, complete fraud. And to cement this, after I'd been writing about this case for years, the lead detective, how often does this happen? The lead detective in the case, or the district attorney, came forward. In 2017 and testified that yes the altar boy was a liar and not only that but I when I was doing pre-trial prep for the original trial of Monsignor Lynn way back in 2012 I caught this kid in one lie after another and finally I said to him about the most outrageous uh, um, allegations in the case that he had been you know, viciously uh, anally raped for five hours when he was locked in the sacristy by some crazed priest and he'd been beaten up and tied up and, you know, he woke up naked, knocked unconscious, wakes up naked and he's tied up with altar sashes. and You know, one crazy story after another, uh, the detective says to him, did you just make all that stuff up? And, and, <laughs> and the altar boy says to him, and of course, none of this was ever told to the defense. He says, yeah, I guess I just told them whatever they wanted to hear. And uh, so the detective you know, follows up and says, so you were lying to these people? And he said, yeah, I guess so. Oh, my <laughs> <And God>. the- <laughs> so he testifies about this and they finally let the school teacher out of jail who had been convicted for raping this kid. And they let him out eight years before his sentence. was. I mean, how often do you see a convicted rapist child rapists let out of jail. So this is such a ridiculous case. It involves a totally corrupt district attorney who did the case for nothing but headlines. They knowingly put a completely fraudulent uh, victim on the stand and they sent three men to jail, two priests and a school teacher. All of them did time and and the Monsignor, they sent him to jail too. And uh, one of the priests died in jail And I've had cops come up to me as a teacher in the biggest Catholic high school in our town, John Newman. And they basically said, we knew who the problem priests were. This guy was as clean as could be, and he would have never done any of the stuff. And he died in jail, handcuffed to a hospital bed. He needed heart surgery that they didn't get around in prison to giving him. And he gave a dying declaration that he was innocent. So, you know, Monsignor Lynn is convicted of uh, endangering the welfare of a child back in 2012. The other uh, priest and school teacher sent to jail for abusing this kid. Again, a totally made up story. So, you would, uh, the Monsignor served, his case was overturned twice because of the outrageous behavior of the trial judge. Who basically allowed the district attorney's office to put the Catholic Church on trial? Not that, by the way, the Catholic Church didn't deserve to be on trial uh, for the sins they committed against children, but you know, find a surreal victim. My God, we've got thousands of them running around here, you know. But if it it was just a political thing, so anyhow, Monsignor Lin's case is total. His conviction is overturned twice, but in the meantime. He's in and out of jail, and he serves 33 out of his 36 months term prison term, plus 18 months of house arrest. Any sane district attorney, given the fact that you've got a totally fraudulent victim who's the only witness in the case, you've got a detective now who's the lead detective on the case who is going to become the defense's main witness and testify about corruption in the case. Oh, and I forgot to tell you the detective's most damning remark. He says, you know, when he finds out, he investigates the case and he talks to all the witnesses, including the kid, the altar boy's parents and uh, brother and all the teachers and priests at the school. And everything he's told, even by the family, totally contradicts the altar boy's crazy, constantly changing, goofy stories. So he tells the prosecutor in the case hey, this isn't checking out. This kid's got all kinds of credibility problems. All the other witnesses, including his family, uh, are, uh, uh, you know, contradicting him. And her response, according to the detective, who testified about this in two different courtrooms and put it in a 12-page affidavit, which is still filed in the courts, the uh, prosecutor's response was, you're killing my case.
0: Jeez, man. So, no. see, crazy. he really... No, he- Billy Doe, he was supposed to show up, right?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, let me get to the punchline. I'm a little long-winded. I've covered this case too long, and it's just the biggest travesty. No, no, no. no it's, that's seen.
0: very good for people that aren't familiar with it. I mean, it's yeah. a devastating case.
1: Well, here's the windup. So what does Larry Krasner do when he gets into office? Anybody with the, you know, you've got a fraudulent witness, and the, your former lead detective who's going to testify against you. And you've got a a defendant, the Monsignor, who's already served 33 out of 36 months uh, plus, um, you know, 18 months of house arrest. Are you (laughs) telling me a judge is going to send this guy back to jail for three months? You're going to uh, try an entire case to do that? Well, Crasner, of course, is down with it because although he's letting everybody out of jail in this town, including murderers and and every other criminal you can think of, the one... uh, the one defendant he's got a heart on for, excuse my language, is uh, Monsignor Lynn because he's a Catholic priest. So he has insisted on retrying this case. And what has the DA's office been doing? The, their whole plan is to retry the case without the victim. And that's what they're trying to do. And the judge basically got into an argument with the prosecutors and said, listen, you better um, have a, the altar boy when this case starts you better have the altar boy here under subpoena. Um, and she issued an order requiring that. Well, you know, Monday uh, in court, uh, it, the coronavirus hits. Of course, the altar boy isn't there, but the judge basically gives everybody a pass because they, that afternoon they shut the court system down. So the next time in her schedule, because the DA's office has stretched what should be a two day court case, actually, a one day court case. Because you're not even going to put a victim on the stand. They want to read all this testimony into the case. They want to put experts on the stand who can tell, you know, uh, the jury what a priest is and what he does. They w- they need three weeks, they say, that it has to uh, put on their case. Well, the next time the judge in this case has three weeks open is next January. So the case oh, is for closed until next year.
0: <laughs> so what's the chance That's- of Billy Doe showing up for that?
1: <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I mean, the kid the kid already got $5 million in a, in a settlement from the Catholic Church, and this is the luckiest dirtbag I've ever written about, because not only did he get lucky with the coronavirus hitting, so he got out of having to be here under a subpoena, but uh, his civil case, and I have this from sources that, you know, I, I assure you, the skeptics that didn't believe Billy Doe's story included the uh, Archbishop of Philadelphia at the time. But Billy Doe's trial was scheduled the month before the Pope was supposed to visit Philadelphia. So, uh, so you know, the Vatican, uh, you know, they all deny it. But uh, I feel the order came down, get rid of this case, even though the kid, nobody believes him. They ended up writing him out a five million dollar check. So he's holed up down in Florida with five million dollars and no doubt continuing his drug career. Um, he was a drug former heroin dealer and user. Um, you know, so what are the chances of him showing up in Philadelphia, you know, where he's would be exposed as a complete fraud. I mean, he, and the other, the irony of the whole thing is the lead prosecutor in this case has repeatedly told the judge that even if Billy's in the courtroom under subpoena, he has no plans to call him as a witness. So there are, you know, it's like a game of chicken. Um, I, I just don't understand how you can try any criminal case without a victim.
0: Yeah. That's well, insane. Almost sounds
3: like Penn State. Uh,
1: well, there you go. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's, those cases happened at the exact same time. They, in 2011, both grand juries came forward. In 2012, they were both tried. Uh, and they both feature lots of phoniness in the victim's ranks, if you ask me.
0: Ralph, if I could, um, maybe we can. Uh, I know there's been uh, significant uh, movement in the Penn State case. Perhaps we can have you on again to uh, discuss that when you get a chance.
1: I think we've uh, got a bombshell coming, John, in that case.
0: Yeah. The uh, I did want to ask you to to wrap up this uh, episode. I did want to ask you. I I. It's been uh, very uh, obvious to um, everybody that's. Uh, you know, pay atten- paying attention to the news, that the Philadelphia Inquirer is uh, taking your stories, <laughs> and um, is my question is, do you think they're ever going to get to the point where they become a credible entity any,
1: ever again? No, yeah. no. And keep in mind, I, I worked there for eleven years. Well, I wouldn't mind if they w- were just stealing my stories; that'd be fine with me. Here's my real problem. They refuse to write anything critical about Larry Krasner. We have a a totally progressive newspaper, totally protecting a progressive DA. So, for instance, for instance, when the cops on live TV in front of the hospital where the slain comrade was there with his grieving family, when those cops linked arms and wouldn't let the district attorney of Philadelphia in, the Philadelphia Inquirer didn't write that story. Instead, and after I banged on them all day with my story and Twitter, by the end of the day, they sent somebody over to the FOP uh, office and asked him, Hey, did you guys really do that? And he said, Yes. And then, <laughs> oh they, my interviewed God. Jane, then they interviewed Jane Rowe, Krasner's spokesperson, who said, No, it didn't happen. And isn't it a shame that the FOP is lying about it? And they're so ghoulish, they're using an officer's death to tar and feather uh, Larry Krasner. So that's oh. how bad that's how bad things are and you know when I was blasting away with the suspects record that were you know in the room where uh, the SWAT team was storming and and uh, Corporal Connor was killed you know the the uh, the inquiry was lagging behind and printing Jane Rose excuses for why they dropped drug charges against a cop killer you know because it would have no effect on uh, public safety I mean which Totally wrong, as the U.S. attorney and every other law enforcement person, you know, knows. But the U.S. attorney is the one that blasted him. So yeah, they're actively covering for this guy. So and uh, so the... you know what he's yeah, and and like Jacobs, Detective Jacobs' lawsuit in federal court, they right. they haven't written a word about it, not one word. They are in the tank for a progressive Larry Krasner.
0: So they they're basically the uh press arm of the district attorney's office
1: pretty much
0: oh my god um Rob, well, listen we really appreciate uh having the chance to talk to you i know we uh um discussed a ton of things but we would like to uh have you back if we could particularly about the uh you know there's a lot of other things as we've uh, alluded to occurring in the uh Krasner situation as well as uh the Penn State case. So um, we'd really appreciate having having the opportunity to have you on again about those things as progress. I'll be there. All righty, hey, thank you, Ralph. Greatly appreciate it, thank you.
1: Thanks, John, thanks, Tom, thanks, Anna. Thank you, thank you, Ralph.
0: Uh, Again, that was a very eye-opening and uh, if anybody has the time, you need to go to bigtrial.net or, uh, you know, law enforcement today, where where Ralph is also a, uh, a writer for them. Um, it's very eye-opening, though, what's happening in, in Philadelphia. Uh, Anna, Tom, do you have anything else you want to add?
2: I, I do. I, regarding Detective Jake? Yes. Um, he's obviously a victim of Krasner, just like many are. And I think that the Philadelphia Police Department ought to drop all those charges against him. He's I've I've talked with him numerous times. He's he's he should get an award for his integrity, number one. And um, he's got Absolutely. let's call it, let's call it nerves of steel to be yes. able to, to go after you know, to, to challenge and, and, and to know what's right. And I and I really think that they should take a second look at that, knowing how Krasner is who he is.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think what Krasner's. is... Go ahead.
3: Okay, I just have a question there about um, Jake's representation. The FOP um, is one, uh, one question. Where are they? You know, but also, like the Buffalo Police Department, they have a union. Doesn't the Philadelphia Detectives have a union? Isn't there anybody trying to protect Jake? He's on his own. He's got his He doesn't have an an attorney. You know, I'm very curious about that, and I'm sorry that I missed the conversation with him, simply because where is his representation?
2: Yeah, I asked him about that a few times, and he said that no one wants to touch it because of the um, people involved. Well, I think that's about to
3: change. The union doesn't have a choice.
1: Oh, Ralph, you said that's going to change? I believe so. Um, I was part of a conversation um, uh, involving uh, Detective Jake and and a a very excellent lawyer who, I believe, is about to come forward and enter an appearance and take over the case. So um, That's great to hear. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it is. But yeah, I, I, I agree that Jake needs all kinds of support here. He's a whistleblower, and you're right, everybody should be looking at Krasner uh, differently since his policies have led to the murder of a police officer. Yes. And he's all he's but done it, is lie. What's that? Do the police
3: officers in of Philadelphia have a union?
1: Oh, of course. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, I know. We're not hearing from them enough, though, I gotta tell you. It's uh, I mean, they did put up billboards saying they, we needed a new DA here in Philadelphia. But, uh, I mean, this is where you hit the bully pulpit and you're out in, you know, in front of the DA's office with a press conference every day. I mean, we, we have a dead police officer.
0: Yeah, if you take the totality of the damage that Krasner has done, I, it's shocking. It's yeah. absolutely shocking.
1: And now we're gonna have a coronavirus crisis that he's going to use to empty the jails and and not make any further arrests. I mean, it's how much crazier can things get here? Yeah. Well, how do you-
3: Well, you you just look at New York? You can see how crazy they're gonna get just by using New York as an example. Our our illustrious king, I'm sorry, governor, uh, has just decided it's gonna be 100% 100% unessential people have to stay home. They're are, there are also, he stated, not allowed to congregate. What? And what I heard this morning was unbelievable. I heard a newscaster say that the governor wishes you, if, if you see a employer breaking the rules, you are to turn them into the attorney general's offer, office. Holy crap. We you know this is a spy on your brother. We're, we're back to 1939. Yeah. Oh, this is amazing. Really we
2: to, happening. We need to do a coronavirus uh podcast.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well,
1: I'm just glad that essential business like the drug business is still carrying on. <laughs> thanks for that. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs>
0: it's rocking along. No time thank you ralph thank you
1: Uh, my pleasure thank you thank you ralph thanks anna see you time
0: um under these circumstances i hope everybody's uh hanging in there you know it's a it's a team effort obviously everybody has to do their part to to uh eliminate the spread of this um but as we've said in the past uh, you know if you're a if you're a law enforcement officer and you have a an awesome case that you've done perhaps the media has, uh, twisted it into something irrecognizable, please contact us. Um, you can reach us, uh, on Twitter at search warrant one. Um, our website is uh search warrant podcast.com. Um, I also have a website that has a lot of uh, information in regard to some of the cases that we've talked about, and that's at Um, But if you really want to, if you want to contact us, if you have any details uh, or anything that you feel is important in regard to any of the cases that we've talked about, um, please uh, get to our contact page at on uh, searchwarrantpodcast.com. And we'll be happy to uh chase that stuff down. Um, I really appreciate uh everybody's uh efforts in regard to this virus, and uh I know we're all gonna make through make it through this uh stronger than we were before and uh again if uh if you have any information that uh may help us in our uh, pursuit of these other cases, if you can contact us at. The contact page at searchwarrantpodcast.com. Um Anna, Tom, anything else?
2: Just uh, well, one thing. Uh, people that have contacted us, I do have your I do have your names and we will be contacting you. We do have quite a bit.
0: All righty. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you guys hang in there. Take care.
1: See it.